All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Everything is happening. That's right. It's Thursday, May 12th. It's a playoff edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. He's Mike McKenna, former NHL netminder. And Mike, we've got Hart Trophy finalists, some controversy, uh, no hearing, and a, and a pretty big injury for the Pittsburgh Penguins and their captain and Sidney Crosby. A lot to digest. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. My head's just spiraling around thinking of everything that's happened within the hockey world and coupled with a couple of flat tires riding my mountain bike in the last few weeks, man. What a life, huh? So I'm going to get my mind off the trails and get it right back on the ice here, Frank. We got plenty to discuss. I thought flat tires only happened when I sat on bikes. Okay, good to know. Uh, <laughs> let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's drop the puck with this. The Sidney Crosby injury that looms large over their first-round series with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, with the New York Rangers, excuse me. The Rangers simply had no answer for Crosby when he was on the ice, but when he was off of it, that's when they really seemed to come alive for the first time in this series. He left the game with six minutes and 50 seconds remaining in the second period after that hit from Jacob Truba. Mike, here are some images that I believe perfectly walk you through this hit and how the NHL Department of Player Safety arrived at their decision to not suspend Jacob Truba for the hit. What do you see on this play? Well, to me, it's hard hockey, and it's a hit that Truba's made a lot this year and never been suspended for. And in this situation, I think he's just stepping up and going through the puck. He makes contact with that first, and the byproduct is that Crosby is in the lane. And Truba is someone who will step up and punish you if you cut through the middle. But 
here's the thing about Jacob Truba. His elbows are always in, his shoulders are down. And this angle, you can see it, it looks like his elbow pops up in that third still frame. But when you see it from other sides and even from the front, that wasn't the case where it wasn't an elbow. It wasn't a shoulder. I think that this was just something of an awkward collision because Crosby's trying to avoid Truba here and gets a little bit away from the point of contact so that it hits him in a, in a way that his head snaps back and has that whiplash effect, Frank. So I didn't see this as predatory on Jacob's Truba, Jacob Truba's part at all. I thought he was going through the puck. He made body contact and just the body position that Crosby had left him a little bit vulnerable and Truba wasn't able to adjust. Yeah, I think it's really just an unfortunate play all the way around. You mentioned that third still frame there with the arm up from Truba. And a lot of people are referring to that today as a chicken wing. I personally don't see it that way. Going you know, through these photos, Truba is clearly trying to get stick on puck in that first photo. Yeah. You see the second one. A lot of people have called this a headshot. That to me looks like Jacob Truba going shoulder to shoulder. The, the main point, the primary point of contact is Jacob Truba's shoulder with Sidney Crosby's chest, it looks like. And the unfortunate part is because his stick is tangled in Crosby, you can see it go underneath him there, that when Crosby's going backwards and the force of the hit his stick comes up because of the top mm -hmm. hand on the stick and it makes it look like a chicken wing or an elbow when really it's just the the nature of it. it you know, I think Kevin Bieksa did a great job of pointing this out on Hockey Night in Canada on Wednesday night after the hit saying if he was really going to use an elbow, it would have been on his free hand, not necessarily the hand with his stick. So, um, you know, you and you look at where the puck is and the reason why we included the fourth one is because – the puck was actually behind Crosby the entire time. So if Jacob Truba is still trying to play the puck, well, he's trying to get it behind Crosby, and that seemed to be his mm -hmm. intent going in. The Pittsburgh Penguins and coach Mike Sullivan not offering any real sort of an update on Thursday in his morning press conference. He said that Crosby will be evaluated when they get back to Pittsburgh later today. He did leave Madison Square Garden with the team on their bus. They're calling it an upper body injury. And Mike, I think everyone's concerned for Crosby because he missed 114 games with a concussion in his career. I think everyone's hoping that that's not the case, but this would be an incredible series changer for the, the New York Rangers if Crosby's not available. Crosby, nine points in the first four games, and I've never really seen a game, especially in the playoffs, swing Mike with one player leaving the game like it did in game five. It was massive. I mean, the Penguins had the game in control. They're up 2-0 until late in the second period. Crosby goes out midway through that period, and then the Rangers come back and fire three pucks in the net in two and a half minutes late in the period, in the second. And it was palpable. You could tell that there, it was like the Pittsburgh Penguins were, they're like, they're like Christmas lights. You know the Christmas lights, Frank, where if one of them goes out, they all go out. Okay. That looked to me like what happened to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They lost Crosby and the rest of the lights went out. They stopped thinking. They stopped playing. They let the Rangers come back into the game and it, it, they couldn't stymie it. And now you're looking at a series that's up for grabs again. It's a 3-2. Um, I'm sure the Penguins would absolutely love to have Crosby back because he's been playing at an MVP level, Frank, some of the best hockey that I have ever seen from him. And he has been better than the top players on the New York Rangers. But there's still stuff to play here. And Frank, we're also looking at potentially different 
goaltenders even. Tristan Jar might be back for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So does that throw a wrinkle into things? I don't think this series is done yet. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So the the Penguins are in kind of a weird spot. The Rangers got to Jar uh, to Deming for the first time at the end of that second period and really made life difficult for him. He gives up four. I know you had a breakdown on your Twitter feed of some of the goals that he allowed mm-hmm. and certainly not pinning this all on Louis Deming at all. But when you look at the Penguins and where they stand goaltending-wise, Tristan Jari practiced before they ended up going to New York. He did not back up but I think could potentially be available as soon as game six on Friday. Would you go with Jari knowing that you have a 3-2 series lead and this may be the best time to work him back in? What happens if Louis Domingue blows up in game six and you lose? Do you then throw Jari in for a pressure cooker in game seven? You know, they've got some tough decisions to make in terms Mm -hmm. of their goaltending. Mike Sullivan saying today that Tristan Jari is making excellent progress. Yeah, I think if Jari's healthy, he goes in game six, because like you said, you don't want your first game in a month to be game seven. So game six gives a buffer. If Jari goes in and plays great, phenomenal. If he doesn't, well, at least he's got some time to get, you know, to get back in the groove for game seven, possibly. And, you know, Louis Domingue has come in and done a good job for the Penguins. But he's a 9.05 goaltender save percentage in this league. And Jari's a 9.15, 9.20. And he's been their horse all year. If he's healthy. He's going to play. I would do that if I'm Mike Sullivan, but it's all going to come down to how Tristan Jari's feeling, maybe even as late as that morning skate. Yeah, I was going to say he may be healthy. How healthy is he? He's certainly been pushing the envelope in terms of this return from the fractured bone in his foot. So, uh, man, uh, juicy storylines heading into game six on Friday for the Penguins. We'll get some sort of status update at some point, we would hope, from the Penguins with regard to Crosby's availability as well. So the Rangers pull off a big comeback. They erase a two-goal deficit. Even bigger for the comeback Cats in Game 5 on home ice for them. The Florida Panthers erasing a 3-0 hole against the Washington Capitals. Man, Carter Verhage did something that no player in the NHL has done in the last 78 years. Yes, I'm evoking Toe Blake in 1944. His team was trailing by a three-goal deficit, and he factored in on all of his team's tallies in the comeback, as Verhage did as well, a five-point night as he sets a Florida Panthers record for most goals in a series as well as most points in a series. And Verhage is now tied with Kale McCarr, as you can see here for the playoff scoring lead through just five games we still have potentially one or two more to go for Verhage to add to his records in Florida Panthers history it feels Mike like the Panthers are kind of finally in the driver's seat in the series yes we know they have the lead but more than that it feels like they're not going to be phased by whatever the Caps throw at them they felt a little bit more comfortable in game five that's been in Florida all season long. And they've come back from three nothing deficits, I think six times this year, which is unfathomable. And you think about how difficult that is in the NHL, the amount of belief that you have to have in your locker room and in your, you know, amongst your players as a coaching staff, that's not easy to do. And Verhage has been on fire, but you're also getting production now. Like Huberto was really quiet last night. Okay. He's zeros across the board, but Giroux comes up big. It's the reason why you grab that offensive threat from the Flyers at the deadline. Goal and assist for him. And like, here's the thing. If I'm Peter Laviolette, coach of the Capitals, I'm looking at that first period. I'm thinking, why couldn't we continue that on? Why couldn't we 
be three three goals ahead and play the full 60. Well, because Florida has weapons. And if you don't play tight on Florida and you feed their transition like Washington did, you're in trouble, no matter how hard you check. Because Washington, despite the score, has managed to play to their identity of being big and heavy when they need to be. But they can't keep up with the skating of Florida when things go sideways. And you see it. I mean, Verhage had five points in a bunch of different ways with different players, Frank. That speaks to the versatility of what the Panthers can do. And uh, I mean, part of this too, for me, Frank, you can look at the numbers all you want for Sergei Bobrovsky and you can try to analyze that. But the bottom line is this guy's been closing out games all season long. Okay. 39, seven and three. You don't do that unless you have that pedigree. And I thought he was really good in the third last night. So it's going to be a challenge for Washington. I think Florida has definitely hit their stride here, especially once they figured out after that first period, we got to play fast. We got to play our game. We're not counterpunching anymore. It's time to go. Yeah, nice to see them take over the series. Finally, uh, it, it felt like they, as you mentioned, found their identity and found a little bit of comfort in that. Now, knowing that they have a chance to close out the Caps in game six in D.C. on Friday night. Another opportunity to close out their series on Friday night will belong to the Calgary Flames after they also had a comeback, entered the third period down one nothing on home ice at the Dome against the Dallas Stars. And they get a big third period push, end up winning that, that game by a three to one margin and a pretty big opportunity for Michael Backlund to step up for the Calgary Flames, a goal and an assist uh, to put the Flames in front in that series as they've sort of had to wade through the muck against this Dallas Stars team all series long. I'm not surprised at all that this series is taking longer than people think it, thought they would have at the beginning because the Dallas Stars may not have the star power. They may have the not, not have the scoring depth, but man, do they play hard and they play to their identity. It's the key word at this time of the year, identity. Well, you know what you have with Dallas and they're going to work and it all goes through their captain. Everybody follows Jamie Ben's lead. And, you know, Dallas started off this game by doing something they hadn't yet. They split up their top line. They put Jason Robertson mm -hmm. uh, down with Ben and Sagan. They put Raffle up with Hinson Pavelski, trying to generate a little more offense. Robertson scores early. And I thought Dallas was better for the first half of the game. But the hero that you mentioned, Michael Backlund, talked about this after the game that they came in between the second and third period. And the Flames said, we have to just stick to our identity and play our game and it will work. And it did. They stuck with it. And they were the better team in the second half, three goals in the third period. Like Frank, how about the goal for Mangiapane? That was an absolute missile over Ottinger. So um, it's been a tactical series, man. And it's been fun to watch. Calgary went 7D last night. Michael Stone was basically a power play specialist for them. Uh, so from a systematic standpoint, Frank, I've loved this series uh, and I'd love to see it go seven, but I think Calgary's in the driver's seat now. Yeah, Mangiapane really needed that goal. And you mentioned, um, you know, someone else that might need one. Matthew Kachuk, he's been surprisingly mm. quiet. I know Daryl Sutter took him and bumped him down the lineup, um, you know, as game five went on. When you look at Kachuk and his sort of lack of impact in this series, aside from maybe tussling with a few guys here and there, are you surprised that for the hundred and whatever plus point score that he had this season that he hasn't had a bigger impact in the series. It feels like Kachuk would be a, you know, playoff big time marquee player. In some ways, but I think it has to do with the matchup and it has to do with Dallas, how Dallas plays against the flames. They did it earlier this year, played them really hard. And I think the defensive prowess of the top two lines of Dallas is something that's underrated. Pavelski, Ben, like they play hard and Kachuk, 
I mean, for his, as his game is so involved in the physical side of things, it can be to his detriment as well. When he can just focus on putting the puck in the net, collecting points from Goudreau and Lindholm, it's an easier game for him. These heightened awareness moments, I think, are tougher for him. So I, I'm sure that he'll snap out of it at some point if they continue on. But I think this is a big credit to how Dallas has played against him. Yeah, I think we'll end up hearing from Matthew Kachuk at some point before this series is over. Let's go down to Tampa and let's talk to Scott Burnside for today's edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. That's right. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff show our senior writer, Scott Burnside, who is live at Amelie Arena today as the Tampa Bay Lightning and Toronto Maple Leafs are wrapping up their morning skates. Scott, uh, for this edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash, just wanted to get a vibe check from you. How do the Toronto Maple Leafs look and feel this morning? Are there any, notice any players doing anything a little bit out of the ordinary, anything different as they're in a spot where they have an opportunity to knock off the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs tonight. Yeah. yeah. Notice a little uh, Vinny LeCavalier behind me. Shades of 2004. Uh, uh, no, it's uh, it's interesting. The Leafs are just getting done. Their extras are doing a little uh, shinny stick time out here at Amelie Arena. And John Cooper came in, Nick Paul, and uh, Corey Perry came in and chatted uh, after the lightning morning skate. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm so fascinated to see what will uh, unfold tonight here in game six because this is a series that has there's been no real flow to it right you know no team has won twice in a row uh penalties have really ruled the day here john cooper talking about it this morning this notion of you know not really knowing what to expect i think between the two teams there are 56 minor penalties in this series and you know john cooper hopes that his team it's not the penalties as far as he's concerned. It's the type of penalty and the timing of it. So, you know, too many men, puck over glass. Uh, those are the kinds of things he's hoping to eliminate uh, or see his team eliminate uh, tonight in game six. And this is a lightning team that they, they, they always respond in the playoffs after a loss. And so, you know, it's going to, you know, what are we going to see from Andre Vasilevsky if history proves uh, to be an indicator, he's going to be at the top of his game. That means that Jack Campbell is going to have to match that. Uh, I think it's critical for the Leafs to get off to uh, a good start, certainly a better start than they got off to in game five, even though they came back to win that game 4-3. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's an enormous amount of pressure on the Leafs because they understand what's at stake here, right? They haven't won a playoff series since 2004. They've been in this position, uh, a chance to move on for four straight playoff years and have not been able to deliver the goods. And we saw their big guns step to the fore in down to nothing came back. Um, I expect that that will have to happen again in game six if the Leafs are going to rewrite history. Um, and again, even though no team has won two games in a row, I, I think the last thing this Leaf team wants is to be going home to Toronto for a game seven. So I, 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 I just think there's so much on the line for both these teams, you know, a possible end Venera Tampa after going back to back and, and, you know, staring a first round elimination in the face. And of course, 
you know, all the history that's stacked up against the Leafs, uh, a chance to really write a new narrative for this franchise. It, it should be great drama tonight. The Leafs are looking to vanquish those ghosts of playoff past, as we talked about <laughs> this week on the Suitcase and Scribe right. podcast, Scott. You know, both of these teams, especially Toronto, was one that people all looked towards. What are they going to do with the deadline? Who are they going to pick up? But Tampa was pretty sneaky as well. They picked up Brandon Hagel from the Hawks. They picked up Nick Paul from the Senators. And the Leafs counter by getting Giordano from Seattle. What's your assessment of the difference that those players on both sides have made in this series as it tipped in favor of one of these teams either way? Yeah, you know, and of course, we had Nick Paul on our podcast not too long ago, Mike, and I spoke to him this morning, actually, and uh, such a great guy. And he has, you know, to me, he's been the real difference maker, uh, you know, in terms of the trade deadline additions for the the Lightning. Um, you know, Mark Giordano, listen, he's at a different phase of his career, certainly, than when he won Norris Trophy. To me, this kind of game is exactly why you have Mark Giordano, right? You have to have someone who can help you ride out those emotions. You know, Jason Spezza, uh, you, you know, such a great, great player and nearing the end of his career and was such a pivotal part of that come from behind winning game five, talking to Jack Campbell on a TV timeout, talking to the team between periods. I think Mark Giordano, you know, his presence is going to be important if there are early hiccups for the Leafs in game six. That's why you brought him in here. Um, you know, it's a little early to, you know, to, to suggest which team might have done better at the deadline. We may know about 10.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. But uh, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how the Leafs respond to the pressure. And they can talk about how it doesn't matter to them, the history, all that kind of stuff. That weighs on them. It has to. Everyone knows that the history of failure for this team in the playoffs, they have a chance to rewrite it tonight. But boy, they've got a team to go through that knows all about pressure, knows all about winning in the tight spots. So should be a great tilt. All right, Scott, it's time for your pick. One streak is ending tonight. The Leafs are 0-7 in the Matthews and Marner era in elimination games, or the Tampa Bay Lightning being 16-0 following a loss over these last three playoff runs. Which one is it uh, and why? Uh, I, I'm... I'm then be, I'm going to stay consistent. I picked the Leafs to win this series. I now I picked them to win seven. I don't honestly. I don't like their chances if they're going to Game Seven. So I'm going to pick the Leafs tonight. Um, I just you know I think it's time. I think you're going to see terrific performances from Austin Matthews. I think John Tavares, his play in Game Five was so critical. I think he follows that up with another strong game tonight. I think we see Jack Campbell do the job. I'm going to say Leafs four three, maybe five three with an empty netter, but that's. I'm going for the Leafs. We're going to see what happens. I also picked the Leafs to win this series in six. Uh, really interesting, Scott. We're either going to have a totally new narrative, a new story being written, or a creative way to tell the same old, it feels like, for the Leafs as they would have to go back to Toronto, gripping their sticks ever so tightly against the two-time defending champs. Man, what theater. So great to have Scott Burnside live in Tampa tonight in the building. Follow along on Twitter as well as at dailyfaceoff.com. Scott, enjoy the game. This has been the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. D-F-O-D-D -D if you're in Canada. 
D-F-O-D-D-U-S. If you're in the United States, that gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks, Scott. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. We're going to have you rank them. Which teams tonight, give them to me one to four, have the best chance of staying alive tonight as we've got four elimination games on the docket? I think the Lightning have the best chance. Unlike you and Scott, who were really high on the Toronto Maple Leafs, I picked the Lightning in that series, and I think it was in five games. So I've already been proven way wrong. So I think the Lightning have a best chance to take in this game tonight. Uh, I go the Oilers right after. Even though the Oilers are down in the series, um, last game was close, overtime game. They're going to be hurting without Darnell Nurse. I think the Wild, I'm going to put third, and then the Bruins fourth. How about yourself? I think the Wild have the best chance to keep their season alive tonight. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lightning second. I am going to go with the LA Kings third and the Boston Bruins fourth. I think the Bruins are the one team that I can say with some degree of confidence gets knocked off tonight. Uh, And I, I do think the Oilers should be on some alert. If they have any start like they had uh, in these last two games against the LA Kings and come out unprepared, I just don't think they're good enough. I don't think they're mature enough to do it and to do it without their number one defenseman in Darnell nurse tonight. That certainly looms large in game six in Los Angeles. That brings us to our daily faceoff daily bets with Tyler, Yeremchuk, a man who was saved by the New York Rangers comeback last night at the Garden. Yes, a uh, big save uh, with the Rangers coming through. So we were up another point one of a unit here, and it's uh, going to be a busy night for me here on the NHL slate. So let's jump into it, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet here. Uh, I'll, I'll be really quick with this one. I like the over once again in Carolina, Boston. It's hit six or more in every game in this series, plus 105. Boom, solid payout. Edmonton, LA, I'm taking the over as well, actually. Over six and a half, been hitting pretty consistently in this series. I love that spot as well. Overs have been on fire so far in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, digging into this matchup a little bit more here, McDavid and Drysaddle. Drysaddle scored in every game but one. McDavid has two goals in this series as well. They're both plus money. I'm actually taking them both. I think the Oilers may be denied tonight, but I do not think their star players will be held off the score sheet. These two guys have been, or they were on fire to end game five. I think they continue that and both score. So I'm taking Dryside at plus 110, McDavid at plus 115 to find the back of the net. And that's all I got tonight, Frank. Man, such theater tonight. So many interesting things to watch. Uh, Mike, we have garbage time. I usually cede the floor to you, but I wanted to comment on some actual legitimate garbage time that we got in the (laughs) NHL. And first, I wanted to commend Ryan Lindgren for gutting it out in game five at the Garden. He hadn't played, actually hadn't skated since that triple overtime game and had missed the last few games for the Rangers So to try it out, they weren't sure a true game time decision. They also had Patrick Nemeth dress as a seventh defenseman. So they went 7D, 11 forwards. And guess what? Ryan Lindgren, who actually even left the game for a stretch as he was getting tended to, he was leading the Rangers in ice time through two periods. Uh, Patrick Nemeth, you still do not get a shift, sir. And guess what? He was mopping it up with some actual garbage time once the 
New York Rangers uh, had sealed off the win with the empty net goal. They say, hey, Patrick Nemeth, we don't want anyone to get hurt, so why don't you go out there and play the last 16 seconds, his one shift of the game, the final 16 seconds for the Rangers. Oof, uh, tough spot for Patrick Nemeth sitting on the bench, probably a pretty lonely place to be. What do you even say, Mike, if you're the backup tendy and you're, you're sitting next to the D-man that has not a prayer of getting out there unless they go down a guy? You're trying to like warm them up some way, keep them loose. Like I can't imagine that conversation. Imagine and Gerard Glant coming over and going, "Okay, hop in there." And I bet you anything they both <laughs> laughed about it when he hopped over the boards because you know the situation. Um, you know, we had a similar thing happen when I was at St. Lawrence University, and it was my sophomore year that we had this guy on our team that he did not have the resume to be NCAA Division One player. I'm honestly not sure where he came from. But he practiced so hard every day, like taxi squad. And our coach tossed him in one game for true garbage time the same way. And he ended up playing 10 games that year. And I, and I think he had one assist. Uh, we went 11, 21, and 5. So obviously we were searching. And he probably didn't belong out there. But that's the closest I could think of where somebody who truly hopped over the boards with no expectations. And then, man, that guy parlayed it into 10 more games. Like, <laughs> that was... It was absurd, but I look back on it now, I just laugh at it. It was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, real-life Rudy for the St. Lawrence uh, University team. Wow. Um, certainly not Patrick Nemeth, though. $13.8 no. million dollars in career earnings. Good player. Another five coming down the pike with two years remaining on his deal with the Rangers. Man, so many interesting games last night, Mike. Plenty of drama. Three comebacks. Uh, what do we have in store for a handful of elimination games and how many game sevens do we end up seeing when it's all said and mm -hmm. done? Mike, what do you think? Uh, I, I think we're going to see at least two of them come out of tonight. I'll be in the building for Minnesota and St. Louis and have my uh, analysis of that game out tomorrow as well for, uh, for game six. And I, I think we're going to see two games go to set two series, go to seven, Frank, how about yourself? Uh, I'm going to say four or five, and that would be the most that we've seen uh -huh. in the first round since 2011. Uh, the last time we had four was 2011, and uh, to go beyond that, you'd have to go way back to 1992 when we got six, according to the National Hockey League. For a first round that was really devoid of drama for the first number of games with all the blowouts, the first round has surely made up for it with the way that it's ending up. Uh, Going to be fascinating to see. Mike, we'll have all the coverage for you at dailyfaceoff.com. Thanks to Mike McKenna. Thanks to Scott Burnside live from Tampa, as well as Tyler Uremchuk and our technical producer, Alex Lard. That is all the time that we have for today's show. As I mentioned, keep it locked on Daily Faceoff. We've got you covered from the Hart Trophy finalists announced today, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, and Igor Shesterkin to a breakdown of why Jacob Truba will not be suspended. Keep it locked there. And throughout the playoffs, we'll be back here 12 noon Eastern on Friday. Enjoy the games, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.